0: There was no evidence that Governor, that that, uh, Mr. Noriega was involved in drugs, no hard evidence, until we indicted him. Does the NSA collect any type of data at all on millions or hundreds of millions of Americans? No, sir. It does not. Not wittingly.
1: Have we ever tried to meddle in other countries' elections?
0: Oh, probably, but uh, it was for the good of the system. Oh, so we don't mess around other people's elections,
1: too. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rackets Podcast. I'm your host Brian Sadie. You know, in this podcast, we discuss all kinds of different forms of rackets. It's typically in the line of organized crime or drug cartels, corrupt politicians, crony capitalists of the sort. And obviously, that content is really negative in many ways, but you know, it's very necessary for the public to know about. And I'm just going to kind of warn you ahead of time that the topic for today is even darker than usual. What I wanted to discuss was um, there's a spiritual practice known as Falun Gong um, that originated in China back in the early 90s, and the practitioners of this. Their numbers really grew in in very high numbers, estimates as high as 70 million practitioners by like the mid-90s. And eventually what happened was the Chinese government started to persecute this group in many ways, uh, false imprisonment, abuse, surveillance, torture, and in the most extreme cases, uh, many of these people were executed by the Chinese government and their organs were sold for profit within the Chinese medical system. There's long been evidence of this, um, and in many ways, it's kind of gone out of the public eye. Of this issue, but in recent uh, in recent news, uh, the British government is actually considering a bill to ban the sale of, of organ transplants from China. So I really kind of really wanted to discuss this topic, and I really have the foremost expert on this issue. Um, his name's Leon Lee. He's a Vancouver-based director, and again, I think he really produced the the foremost resource on this topic. It's called Human Harvest, China's Illegal Organ Trade. Uh, It's a Peabody Award-winning film. I recommend everybody watch it, and I just want to introduce him to the show again. Welcome to the show, Leon.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Thanks so much. Um, Again, most of the audience is based in the U.S., and I think that this is a topic that the average American is not familiar with. So I was kind of hoping just to kind of back it up a little bit, and if you could tell people about a little bit about the the Falun Gong and just some of the conclusions of your research.
0: Yes. um, Falun Gong is an ancient uh, spiritual practice that was uh, made public in China in 1992, and it grew rapidly, as uh, you said in the introduction. By 1999, the Chinese government estimated uh, that there were more than 70 million to 100 million people in China practicing Falun Gong. And uh, for a long time, it was welcomed and even supported by uh, the Chinese regime. Then uh, Chinese premier once even said that if everybody practices Falun Gong in China, the government would save billions of dollars in healthcare expenses. I also remember that uh, the Chinese ambassador to Canada once uh, said to his guests in uh, in, in the function that um, if, if you want to know more about traditional Chinese culture, you should learn Falun Gong. So now, now looking back, this is almost unimaginable that a Chinese official would say things like this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so by By the way, you also see lots of positive reporting of Falun Gong on state media in China. Knowing that all these media are controlled by the Communist Party, uh, you sort of know the government's attitude. But as I mentioned, by 1999, the, the practitioners of Falun Gong outnumbered the membership of the Chinese Communist Party, which was at about 60 million at that time. So then President Jiang Zemin apparently was not happy with the situation and launched a brutal crackdown. He ordered Falun Gong to be eradicated within three months. Of course, now it's almost 20 years and the persecution still continues. Many people have tried, tried to understand the, the, reason, the rationale behind the, the persecution now, uh, I'm, I'm not an expert on, on Falun Gong, but uh, after my interview with uh, many practitioners and China experts, I think there are probably three causes behind the persecution. One is the one I already mentioned, the sheer number of practitioners was sort of threatening to uh, the Communist regime, but that's not really the real reason. The, the second reason behind the persecution is that Falun Gong believes in truthfulness, compassion, and uh, tolerance. The Communist Party, on the other hand, functions based on propaganda and violence. So if a large number of the population actually believe in truth, and they insist on telling people the truth, this is not what the party wants to see. And the third reason, which is also very important, is that the communist regime in China, in its essence, is an atheist regime. So since it took power in 1949, it systematically eradicated religions and spiritual beliefs in China. Now, of course, if you go to China, you you can see churches, you see uh, temples, but they're all under very strict uh, control. As a matter of fact, if you are uh, a Christian and, and you celebrate Christmas with several friends at home, that is illegal. You can be labeled as uh, participating in uh, house church, underground church activities, and you can be arrested. And recently, there are reports uh, that the government are, are taking down crosses and burn them nationwide. They're, they also banned all previous translations of the Bible. You can only buy one version now that's being translated by the government. i uh, I haven't read it yet, but but i I guess the translation is somewhat uh, different. <laughs> so uh, the 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 idea is that if there is a horror, uh, if, if, if if there's a higher moral authority, whatever that is, even higher, than the communist leaders themselves, then the communist party uh, doesn't like it. Sure. So that's that, that's the reason why this particular uh, practice was so was 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 uh, targeted, because the number of practitioners this become this became one of the most severe human rights violations in China now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm kind of just curious from a personal standpoint, because as far as your film, you direct it really sort of in a, in a third-party sense. You, you point to these very high-profile individuals, such as you know the former Secretary of State in Canada. But when did you first kind of come upon that this persecution was taking place?
0: Oh, the persecution itself, um, it was well-known, because in the beginning of the persecution back in 1999, when I was still in China, in the beginning, the state TV broadcast anti-Falun Gong programming 23 hours a day. Oh. And uh, during the first month of the persecution, I think major newspapers in China published uh, hundreds and thousands, thousands of articles criticizing Falun Gong. So uh, schools, companies, uh, all kinds of organizations, they would uh, require their members or staff or students to uh, get together and sign on the big banner denouncing Falun Gong. So almost no one could escape such uh, intensive propaganda. But in terms of forced organ harvesting, I only came to learn about it in 2006. Okay. If you maybe
1: would just kind of give us like some of the details that that you came across.
0: Absolutely. Um, in two thousand six, I believe there was an, an allegation that was publicized. Uh, basically, they were saying there was a hospital in northeastern China, actually not too far from my hometown, uh, called Sujiatun. Uh, and uh, they, someone came out who 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 was a nurse, who was not a well, who was not not a nurse actually she she was working in the hospital and she claimed that her husband was involved in removing more than 2,000 corneas from Falun Gong practitioners for organ transplantation. And she said that these people were were, were killed and their uh, other, other organs were also harvested. So there was an allegation that came out. And my initial reaction was, was one of complete disbelief. <laughs> I, I I had known about organ harvesting from death row inmates for a long time. This is really an open secret. But uh, I, I just couldn't believe that the government uh, was harvesting organs from Falun Gong practitioners. And because they were essentially prisoners of conscience. They were, they were not doing anything wrong. They were not even sentenced, and they were just killed for their organs. So when, when you he- hear a crime like this, I think people naturally don't believe it. And mm-hmm. so I, I didn't believe it. But I, I couldn't let it go. Uh, somehow I wanted to look into it. I wanted to know more, so it was at the time that uh, David uh, Matis and David Kilgore, two Canadians who were the pioneers in this investigation, launched their their own work to to try to find out what's going on. So I, would, I eventually got in touch with them. I uh, read their report. It was titled Bloody Harvest. And uh, sometime later, an American investigative journalist, Ethan Gutman, also got involved, and they actually joined forces and published an update recently uh, titled, Bloody Harvest slash the Slaughter and Update. So these three were really uh, the experts in this area. And after talking to them and examining what they were able to uncover, I was convinced that this is really happening. So I thought maybe many people would have the same reaction as as I did. Maybe it's a good idea to make a documentary so that the viewers can become investigators, just like the three uh, gentlemen I mentioned, and look at the evidence by themselves and draw their own conclusion. So that was the idea behind uh, Human Harvest. What I did not know at the time was that this would the film would take eight years to complete, <laughs> and we we would be able to get uh, so many incredible uh, testimonies from from different people, from doctors to patients, from Falun Gong practitioners to the the uh, re- relatives of of the patients. So these all painted a, a picture. I think at this point. for for any person to, if if they really want to look into it and examine all these evidence, there's really no longer an argument on whether this is happening.
1: I I would fully agree. Um, If you don't mind, because, I mean, the basic rationale in, in in favor of that argument is that the numbers really don't add up as far as the number of, Potential organ donors versus the people receiving these organs and in the film you cite a lot of different stats And obviously I know it's tough to to go off memory But if you if you could maybe get into like some some generalities as far as you know Just for somebody who hasn't seen the film uh, to kind of explain that
0: Yes, there are lots of evidence that suggests that this is actually happening And, and you mentioned one one is the uh, number of transplant surgeries in China and uh, the possible sources of these organs. Now, according to the report I mentioned, uh, Bloody Harvest Slash Slaughter," and Update, they looked into, they had a very comprehensive study, basically looking into what the, the journals would say, what different news report would say, and uh, how many beds are in each uh, department, uh, organ transplant departments in different hospitals. And they were able to come up with a number, an estimate between you know 60,000 to 100,000 transplants are performed each year in China. Bear in mind that China doesn't really publish its, its official data on how many transplants are done for a long time. Now they do. They claim it's about 10,000 each year, but uh, it doesn't match with lots of other data that, was, uh, that people were able to to find. So the 60,000 to 100,000 transplants performed each year uh, are still a very uh, conservative estimate. So the question is where do they get all these organs? For a long time, uh, the Chinese government said, well, they, in the beginning, they even denied that they were sourcing from the death row inmates but later on they admitted they were from death row inmates. So how many people were executed each year in China? That's another number that most people don't really know because it was considered a secret. But there are various estimates. The the high estimate that's agreed upon by different organizations are about 10,000 each year. Again, for a long time before 2010, there was no organ donation programs in China. And the culture in China is that people do not want to donate their organs uh, after they died. So really, if there was no uh, organ donation system, and people don't want to donate their organs, and there are only a maximum of 10,000 death row inmates, and because of tissue match and blood match, and because that many of the people on death row inmates uh, have poor health condition, they may be drug addicts, they may be alcoholics, or they may, you know, there's a high hepatitis rate in, uh, in Chinese prisons, sometimes more than 50%. So all this adding together is just uh, very unlikely that death row inmates are the major source of organs in China. So there's the discrepancy uh, about numbers But more importantly, there's also about time. How long it takes to get a organ in China. Now, in in the US or in Canada or in the UK, if you want a kidney transplant, there's probably, I I haven't checked the latest uh, stats, but uh, when I checked several years ago, it was about two years of wait time, uh, sometimes even longer. Uh, But the, the patients I interviewed, I came across and the many other patients who reported in the other sources, it takes them a week, two weeks, uh, a month to get an organ. And in certain cases, your surgery is also, uh, you can schedule your transplant surgery. Right. Now, after you take out the organ from whoever, there you can only, there, there's a number of hours uh, that, that you must perform the surgery. Otherwise, the organ the organ sort of expires. Now, different organs are different numbers. Some four hours, six hours, some are longer. But uh, if you can schedule your your surgery weeks ahead, that means you sort of have a large number of organ uh, donors waiting there, so you can do your tissue match, do your blood match, when everything matches, and you can just come, and at the time the organ will be sourced. So all these things um, point to a terrible, terrible crime happening, not only in one part of China, but nationwide. But of course, if this is only circumstantial evidence, then we we started looking into it in, in other ways. We started calling hospitals in China and pretending to be patient or relative of a patient who needs uh, organ transplants? Now, because uh, the investigators were speaking Mandarin, and it is uh, uh, not an uncommon thing for an overseas Chinese to call Chinese doctors and asking about organ transplants for their for their relatives. So many uh, uh, doctors were uh, happy to take the phone calls, and after verifying their identity the investigator asked questions about the organs, about where they they came from. Uh, now, of course, as soon as you mentioned Falun Gong and you mentioned some of the sensitive things, many doctors stopped talking or they would say, oh, I can't talk about this on the phone. Come back and let's meet in person. But still, there were about 15% of the doctors who openly admitted that they were using organs from Falun Gong practitioners. And they were telling the investigators how good these organs are, because Falun Gong practitioners have a healthy lifestyle. 15% not only in one place, but if you map it out, it, it's, it's all over China. And uh, very interestingly, we also had a the Chinese state television who made a documentary about these phone calls. And the doctor, who came out and said, I never said those things. But we we do have the uh, recording of the phone call, the transcripts, and everything. So at least the Chinese government did us a favor by verifying the identity of that person who took the phone call that day. He was indeed a doctor working in this hospital, and he was indeed a transplant surgeon. So there were many evidence like this, and in the film, we were also able to interview. Uh, we included testimony from a surgeon who did the surgery, who actually removed kidneys from a, a death row inmate. But that person, before he was before he was killed, so when he removed the the, the organs, he was still alive. Uh, we interviewed Falun Gong practitioners who were in custody and. Uh, who also heard from uh, the guards about uh, organ harvesting. So, if you if you look at the the whole picture, it becomes more clear on what is going on. And of course, there are various international organizations in trying to get into inside China, but China never uh, allowed independent investigation uh, in into this allegation.
1: It's really something else. Um- your film uh, was released in 2014. one thing that i'm curious about and it at least from the outside looking at it, it seems that the, the organ trade is just as um just as plentiful every report seems to say that anybody going for an organ transplant in china currently the, the conditions are basically the same the wait times like a couple weeks or so um, you pay a lot of money but you, you can get an organ really quick. Do you have any reason to believe that um, that this trade is slowed down at all? Since even though your, your film has gotten, has received a ton of publicity and, and it has uh, created a lot of awareness on the subject,
0: um, I think we we did have several governments taking actions: uh, Spain, Israel, Taiwan, passing different kinds of legislation, banning their citizens from going to China for organ transplantation. So, on the demand side, there was some action being uh, taken. China went switched from uh, defense to to assault. So they are uh, lobbying international organizations. They are uh, tweeting that the, the reforms they have been be, be put into place, and they claim that they uh, they also made a promise that they would stop using organs from death row inmates. But very soon, people find out all they did uh, was to reclassify this kind of uh, this kind of uh, prisoners. They basically said the death row inmates. All U.S. talk about human rights, right? So death row inmates should also have human rights. Therefore, they should be allowed to donate their organs if they want. So overnight. Uh, these, all these death row inmates are voluntarily donating their organs uh, and that, that's why they're saying they're not using death row inmates organs anymore. The overall situation hasn't really changed dramatically. It's probably a little more difficult for Westerners or, or other foreigners to patients to get organs in China because they are more secretive. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the, in, in the beginning, for a long time, foreign patients were the priority because they pay more. But now I think domestic uh, wealthy patients probably have higher priority. Doesn't mean they have, they have stopped uh, the operation at, at all. And the other thing is also uh, Falun Gong was the main source of organs uh, for, for a long time. Now I think uh, certainly Falun Gong practitioners are still the victim, but the the Uyghurs, the Muslims in Xinjiang, they have also become a a big, big target. There Mm. was a report, I forgot when, but uh, it was talking about DNA testing for the Uyghurs. And over 90% or 95% of the more than 14 million of Uyghurs in, uh, in Xinjiang, they have been DNA tested. And uh, there was reports, concerns that they, they may be subject to organ harvesting a large scale. But <laughs> the thing is when you when, when you keep over two million people or even more in these in education camps, chances are something horrible is, is happening. And it was reviewed by Uyghur doctor, Dr. Ever told you that uh, soon after the, these camps were built in Xinjiang, there, there was a, a so-called green channel opened in uh, Urumqi Airport, which is the the capital of uh, Xinjiang. Uh, this the green channel or, or fast, fast track, if you like, is for organ transplants for organs. If you only ship one or two organs a day, you don't need a designated fast track in the at the airport. So. Many people uh, are worried that something uh, horrible is happening in these camps.
1: Wow, because um, that that was something I, that, that's been on my mind. Um, you know, there's been a, a lot of media coverage, not enough, in my opinion. Uh, but what's happening with the Uyghurs? Um, but I, it's it's been sort of, I guess, a suspicion on my part because there there is that that correlation. The, the Falun Gong—they—they they were all blood tested, and now we're seeing this—this this DNA testing—and and rounding them up in what the Chinese government likes to call a, their version of labor camps or re-education camps. And again, there's just a lot of parallels. Exactly. I, I didn't—I didn't know if there was much evidence as far as um, organ harvesting, but it, it is something that that that, that I'm concerned with, um, to say the least. Um. It doesn't seem like you're one much for speculation, but do you have any ideas of, as to why you think that the the Chinese government really hasn't had a whole lot of pushback on something that's just so horrific and that it's taken place on such a large large scale?
0: In terms of Western governments?
1: I, really, any government. I mean, I have my suspicions. I'm, I'm just kind of curious if you have your own.
0: Well... I've, I've talked to lots of people uh, for, for the film, and many of them are in, in different positions in various governments, uh, they would not speak to me uh, on, on camera. So, huh. <laughs> uh, I, but, he, but he, here's the thing, you, major Western governments are uh, fully aware of what's going on. I have no doubt about it at, at this point. Many of them learned about it a long time ago, I think it was in 2000 and uh, there were evidence suggests that in 2002 or three, at least the US government was fully aware of what's going on. I suppose this is, once they acknowledge uh, this crime against humanity, then they also have to do something about it. Yeah. But something about it is, is very difficult for all kinds of reasons, international relations, trade, political interests. So maybe it's easier to just turn a blind eye and see where, where things go. So that's probably, if you ask me, why there was no stronger action taken by uh, by different governments. On the parliament and congress level, we, we do have some uh, action at least. U.S. Congress, has uh, House Resolution three four three unanimously, uh, and European Parliament has a similar resolution. Uh, Canadian side, the Canadian Senate, there was a committee on human rights that also passed on some sort of resolution uh, condemning China on organ harvesting and the persecution against Falun Gong. But governmental wise, apart from uh, a handful of governments who have taken action most uh, just kept silent.
1: Yeah. It might not be widely reported in the U.S., but, I mean, you go back to 2001, there, there was an actual Chinese Army doctor who testified before Congress, and, and he went into great detail. I, I don't remember how many uh, executions that he said that he was responsible for, but he went into great detail, even testified as far as, like, the money trail and, and how all of this works. So, again, yeah, the, the, the U.S. government, at least, has, has heard this, this evidence publicly. I think it's exactly what you're saying. China does have a lot of soft power. Their Belt and Road project, I think, is really gaining them a lot of leverage geopolitically. They're a major holder of US foreign debt. You know, they just have they have a lot of leverage as far as geopolitics um, is concerned. And since there isn't that much publicity with this issue, it kind of gives, you know, uh, political leaders the, the ability to look the other way. Go right. ahead. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, n- not yeah, th- there was testimony by the um, military surgeon, but also if you look at the human rights report th- by US Department of State, there were several years they, they they mentioned about persecution of Falun Gong and also organ harvesting. So the fact that it was included in the report also suggests that they, they are certainly aware of um, the issue.
1: Wow. Um, I guess, uh, do you have any, really, any final thoughts that you'd like to add?
0: This is an ongoing thing, and I think there are various organizations working on ending the crime in China now. Uh, if you want to learn more, a very good resource is the report I mentioned, uh, uh, Bloody Harvest uh, A Slaughter, an update uh, by David Matus, David Kilgore, and Ethan Gutman. And if you look at they, they, they have done a very comprehensive study and listed all, all the sources of, of their information. I think uh, if anybody, if, if they look at uh, this report, they will learn a great deal about what's going on. Certainly, you can also watch my film, Human Harvest, which is on various digital platforms. Uh, that's uh, not as comprehensive as the report, but perhaps a little easier. To digest, <laughs> if right, you like. right. Uh, and, and also there are many other organizations. To do a Google search, you can find quite a few of them. You can follow the situation, and if you do care about the situation, you can also do something about it by uh, you know sharing on, on your social media, write to your representatives. I think if if um, if more more governments realize that they're there are people who also care about this thing happening in China, then this this, this will be changed.
1: Yeah, I fully agree. I'm going to link to, to everything that you mentioned there. I'm also going to link to an extra report. Uh, it's by a, a guy, Torsen Trey, of uh, Doctors Against Forced Organ Harvesting. And um, it's a recent article from late last year and kind of gets into the numbers of just how it, it's just mathematically impossible for them to be able to explain their organ transplant market without force or coercion. Um, And again, I do really recommend that everybody see your film. I think it's, like I said, it's a great resource. Um, If if this issue is new to you, like you said, it's probably a little easier to digest at first and you can research even further. But yeah, I just want to thank you again uh, for coming on the show. Thank you for really all that you've done. This is, this is a major human rights catastrophe that more people need to know about. I would like to thank the audience as well. And and just like you said, please share this episode. If you could give it a five-star rating. And the last thing I do ask, if you do want to support the podcast, you can do it a number of ways. But one of the ways is to go out there and grab a copy of my three-book series called Rackets. It's on the legalization of drugs and gambling and the decriminalization of prostitution. So until next time, thank you much. It's a big club and you ain't in
0: it. I am concerned that the size of some of these institutions becomes so large that it does become difficult for us to um, to prosecute.
1: You can have a license. Price is two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Plus a monthly payment of five percent of the gross
0: of all four hotels in the story. Corleone.